think that parents are very concerned with securing their child's place in the middle class. It's harder and harder to buy a house. It's harder and harder to afford college. And parents think, and not wrongly so, that if they give their kids all these skills and they arm them with enough classes and enrichment opportunities, they will secure their future in a way that maybe our own parents weren't quite as concerned about. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and welcome to Mom to Mom, the podcast. So glad you're here today. Have a great conversation ahead. And I think it's something we can all relate to. You know, how many of us have thought we want to be the perfect parent, right? Of course we do. And then you end up trying to set your kids up for success by perhaps overscheduling them. You know, the soccer, piano, the camp, getting involved in the homework, micromanaging the projects that they're into. You get the idea. But then you find we are just so tired to keep doing this, to keep this pace. And the kids are feeling it too. And my guest today is going to tell us that that's okay. It's okay to pull back. She is a Boston-based journalist named Kara Baskin, and she explores this in a recent Boston Globe column called, We're Too Tired to Be Helicopter Parents. Our Kids Will Be Happier for it. She talks about how parents in their 30s and 40s now are really changing their parenting style, especially when it comes to mental health and education and all of those extracurriculars I mentioned. And it's not that we don't want the best for our kids. It's that we do want the best for our kids but without all of the stress. So Kara is working on a book where she's going to put all of this together, and we're going to talk all about that today. So here is my conversation with the Boston Globe's Kara Baskin. Good to see you again. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me back. Of course. Well, when I saw this column in the Globe about helicopter parenting, I was like, this is speaking to me because yes. I'm really focusing on trying to do less. Um, right. So for people who haven't seen that article, which kind of stemmed this whole conversation, can you give them a little, a little brief? Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, it's important to do less, but also to make choices that are meaningful. So if you love what you're doing and want to be busy, that is great. But make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. And that's sort of, I think, what COVID threw into focus for parents like us who are coming off of three of the most unusual years of our life. Um, It really made us contemplate what matters. And I think that what we came to find out and what statistics show is that mental health for our kids is very important and it's suffering and parents don't want our kids to suffer anymore. And part of why they're suffering so much is due to being overscheduled and overbooked and being tired and burnt out. And we're tired and burnt out and the stakes are just too high to keep pushing the way we've been pushing. Um, I think it's three out of five teen girls contemplated self-harm just over the past couple of years. So parents are worried and I think it's just been a reckoning for us and we're all taking a step back. And the thing is, every parent is just trying to do the right thing. So all of this overscheduling comes mm-hmm. from a good place. It's because it comes they're trying totally. to let the kids explore. Yes. And it's actually doing a little bit of harm. So before we go any further, though, the helicopter parenting is something that we've talked a lot about here on mom to mom But uh, for people watching, how would you describe helicopter parenting? 
I mean, helicopter parenting, I think, came to prominence in the late 90s. It's not new, but it's a sense of sort of hypervigilance and wanting to orchestrate every aspect of your child's life. And I think it exists for two reasons. And I know we've talked about this. Um, one reason is just the purely practical. Um, we need childcare, Maria. I mean, we both work more, probably more than full time. We're busy. Someone has to watch our kids. So it creates this frenzy of getting onto the camp waiting list, getting onto the daycare waiting list, whatever waiting list or extracurricular you need to be. It, it creates this sort of feeding frenzy that's very, very stressful. So that's one part of the problem. Um, and so it kind of makes us become helicopter parents because, you know, we said, we talked about this at five in the morning, you're clicking refresh, 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 trying to get your kid into swimming lessons or yes. whatever they need to do, right? You it's need very a full time. You need a full-time job to get your kids yes. into childcare <laughs> so that we can no. have a full-time job. Like something's broken here. Something is very broken. You need like a concierge to do all of this for you. It's crazy. So you're, you know, working. I, I know that I'm like trying to write an article in one screen and then I have a, a million other tabs open. The other problem too, though, and I think that this is bigger and more entrenched and I get into this in the piece, um, is the middle class is really slipping away. And I don't want to get too deep in a short segment, but I think that parents are very concerned with securing their child's place in the middle class. It's harder and harder to buy a house. It's harder and harder to afford college. And parents, think, and not wrongly so, that if they give their kids all these skills and they arm them with enough classes and enrichment opportunities, they will secure their future in a way that maybe our own parents weren't quite as concerned about. Hmm. And so we're really in a no-win situation, parents of our generation. It's so, very hard. So that could be one of the reasons. I was wondering how you think mm. that we got here. Because when I look at my parents, I would not describe them as yeah. helicopter parents. And then when I look at their yeah. parents, my grandparents, they're certainly <laughs> not helicopter parents. No, they so, had it way easier in some ways. Yes, in I some mean, ways. I, I'm very, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm an elder millennial, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. I still Same, grew up in yes. a generation where I was at grandma and grandpa's house and they said, go play and come back at dinner time. Right. And I would go and I would right. play in the crick. <laughs> like right. that was something we did, which sounds crazy now. No cell phones, no way of getting in touch with no. us. Um, so, so how did we get here? With this helicopter. We got here. I think really it's the cost of college that's getting so, so high that is creating a sense of, and not just the cost of college, which is making us very stressed out, but also the lower acceptance rates. I forget. It, it's it's the lowest that it's ever been um, this year across the board. And I think this is due in part to the common application. It's so much easier, right? You can apply to 15 different schools using one application, but it's driving admissions rates down. So that's very stressful for parents. They want to give their kids a leg up, you know, for sure. And this is a very middle-class problem. This is not all parents, but this is, I'm talking about middle-class parents. They want to give their kids a leg up. So that, you know, is causing the problem. And then really the, the longer work, right? We're working from everywhere all the time. We're working longer hours. We're expected to be on all the time. That's not new, but then we're trying to balance childcare and affording daycare and we're working to afford to live. And it's this maelstrom of, of factors that are stacked against us. That's creating an enormous amount of pressure. But the good news is I think that COVID made us realize like what is important here and, and what isn't. And mental health is the most important thing. Um, I want to point out just really quickly, there was um, a recent survey by Pew, the Pew Research Study, that said um, now I believe it's 88% of parents just want their child to find a career that makes them happy. And only 41% are saying it's very important for my child to go to college. And that has changed vastly from a decade ago. I think parents are beginning to reevaluate their priorities and think about happiness versus 
success as maybe we defined it over the past 10 or 20 years. I think that this generation is definitely going to look at college a little differently. For us, it was very much of a linear straight line. This is what you did. You went to high school, you went to college. My daughter and I were talking about this just the other day. She said, you know, she's nine, but she said, what if I didn't want to go to college? And I said, well, we would look at that. We would talk about that. I mean, doesn't have to be one type of way. And I think our generation is doing some things right. Um, like you mm-hmm. said, with mental health, we are Absolutely. treating mental health the way it should be treated. And when I was talking about our grandparents and my parents, they may have not mm-hmm. been helicopter parents, but they certainly didn't have a focus on no. mental health in the way we do. It wasn't until college. I remember I went to college and I saw a therapist for the first time. And this was in the late 90s. And it was so exotic. And now everyone goes to therapy. And I, I mean, they should. But in 1997, this was like unheard of. For sure. And I think there was such a a stigma with therapy in those days. And even with our parents' generation and the generation beyond that, I mean, now Mm -hmm. it's sort of a luxury item. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get my coffee, get a little Botox, go to therapy. It's like, right, right. I mean, if only dream. therapists were easier to find, right? That's the big problem. But I think that it's so much more accepted as well. It, ha- it has to be because the stakes are so much higher for especially teenage girls. Well, those statistics are very alarming, alarming, what yes. you're saying about teenage girls. Yeah. So how do you operate as a parent knowing all this and having <laughs> done all this research? And we are going to talk. We are going to talk about your book coming up after yeah. the break. But um, knowing all this, how do you how do you handle parenting? Um, well, so I'm perfect. I'm the yes. perfect parent, obviously. Um, I get stuck in the trap too. You know, I recently, my son told me that he no longer wanted to do soccer. And there was a little voice inside of me that we're so instinctively programmed to over-enroll our kids that it was, oh, wait, why are you dropping soccer? And then I thought, you know, he's 12. And my role, and I interview experts about this in my book, actually, is not to be a director. It's to be a consultant and to kind of listen and say, Mm -hmm. okay, why do you think that is? Um, And, you know, he's not going to go on to get a college scholarship in soccer. He doesn't love it. It's not his thing. And it's okay to drop out. And for so long, I think that the message that we got from society, from who knows, was you can't drop out. You have to be the best. You have to work harder and harder and harder. And it's not about work, right? It's about enjoyment. And he wasn't enjoying it. Um, So I'm learning to listen to that little voice of what's really important here. I don't want to sit in traffic driving him across town to a practice that he doesn't want to. Why? Why am I doing this? There's other things he wants to do more. So I'm trying to be more mindful, but it's hard. It's always a struggle. Yeah. I I, I always want them to try. I am not one that makes them stick with it and say, you're not a quitter and these things. Like if you don't like it, that's fine. Same thing with food, you know, try it. And then if you don't like it, then you don't have to eat it. But the same rules apply. Right. There's such an emphasis in our culture on productivity. And it's like, he just wants to come home after school and hang out and that's what we did. Why is this bad? It's not bad. Yeah. Came home and watched the Brady Bunch and look at me. I turned out great. (laughs) Are you looking for your summer guide to adventures in Boston, the perfect recipes for your family, or exclusive interviews with your favorite celebrities? Well, you can get all of that in one place in your inbox with the Hubbub newsletter. To sign up, all you have to do is go to NBC10Boston.com newsletters, drop your email, and you'll be in the know. Now you're actually going to be writing an entire book on this topic Mm -hmm. because so many people like myself were intrigued by it. So tell us a little bit about the work you've been doing for this book. 
Okay, it is called Generation Yes, A Modern Woman's Field Guide to Liberation at Midlife. Um, it's coming out from Hachette in 2025. Yay. So very exciting. Mother's Day um, release, which is appropriate. But really, it's about how to make deliberate choices that bring us satisfaction at this crossroads where, you know, we are pulled in a million different directions um, from, you know, caring for aging parents to trying to navigate our children's lives to dealing with pressures at work, pressures with friends, spouses, everything, everything that you deal with at midlife. Um, and for so long, and, and I know we've talked about this too, Maria, is our generation was brought up, you mentioned this linear path, right, from high school to college, getting a good job. You said, yes, you took on more. You know, it was always about being good and being obliging and making sure that you didn't make, not even not making waves, but wanting to be productive and wanting to be on and wanting to succeed. And it's really about how do we define success for ourselves at this pivotal crossroads in life where, you know, we we are not young anymore. We're not old, but it's time to put ourselves first. And how do we do that? So it's a mix of journalistic, you know, interviewing of other women who are at, you know, the same generational place and also experts who share their research about actually how to do this. And it's fascinating and, and we need to do it. It's time. So you interviewed so many different people mm. for this. What surprised you, if anything, with your research and your data? You know, what surprised me, and I don't want to say it was a surprise so much as it was something that was an important reminder. And so Robert Waldinger is at Harvard, and he is the head of the longest study. It's the longest longitudinal study of happiness ever undertaken, the Happiness Project at Harvard, I believe it's called. It started in the early 1930s, um, and it followed men, because only men went to Harvard, and then expanded to women as time went on, um, through the course of their lives. And so with the benefit of time, he was able to look back at, you know, who are the happiest people and why? And when we're 40 something, right, we're just living our lives. We are not, we don't have the advantage of that big picture view. We're just driving to soccer and getting coffee and trying to work. Well, he interviewed people who are 80, 90 and could reflect. And the most successful people were not the richest. We know that they weren't the most successful on paper. You know, they weren't CEOs or whatnot. They had really meaningful connections and meaningful relationships. And that's what I'm trying to urge women to make time for, things that actually sustain them. There was nobody at 80 or 90 who was so proud of how busy they were. And right now, right, we wear busyness is such a badge of honor and productivity mm -hmm. is such a badge of honor. And it's not. And we might not realize that now, but these people 50 years out certainly do. So that's the message. It's really how do we drill down on what matters to us and how do we say no and how do we set boundaries? Boundaries, right? That's so hard for, for women our age. Boundaries are impossible. Um, but we need to set them. And it's it's tough because I know being in this industry that we're in mm -hmm. as journalists, we got here by saying yes to so doing many more. things. And when I would sit down, I recently sat down to uh, talk to people in college who are trying to get into this field. And I said, you have to mm -hmm. say yes. Like you've got to just try the yes. things. You don't know what you don't like yet. You have to just say yes, right. yes, 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 yes. So this concept of saying no and creating <laughs> boundaries is difficult it's, for someone who's a career person. You're, you're so right. And it's really, it's not about saying no all the time, but it's about saying yes to what will sustain you and what will matter to you and being able to tell the difference. And that's what I'm trying to help other women do. So if you love, you know, I used to work in TV news too. And I remember getting called at three in the morning <laughs> at 
to go, you know, I'm so old that I remember, you know, watching President Clinton land at Andrews Air Force Base three in the morning. I realized that that isn't what I wanted to do. And I had to learn to say no, but that was hard. But if that's the career you want, whatever you want to do, sure, say yes. But don't feel that you have to say yes just because it's what it is expected of you as a mom or as a daughter or as a worker. Yeah. Um, you need to put yourself first. And, right? and then when you do become a parent, you just mm -hmm. don't have the bandwidth for you everything don't. you used to say yes to. So for me, that mm -hmm. shift happened kind of organically because I had to say yeah. no to things to be the parent that I wanted to be. So it sort of happened, but right. it was it was a true shift. I can tell you when it happened, I was asked to go on a trip overseas and normally that would be yes, Yes, mm -hmm. yes, 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 and then figure out the details later. And this time it was like, this is yeah. a different season of life for me. And I don't know if I can be away from my kids for 10 days. And um, it was kind of liberating, but it's definitely like, mm -hmm. it's because I'm in a different season of life, I think, as well. Can I tell you something that might make you feel even better about that, though? So there's a new study from Harvard. There's new research that shows that adult daughters of moms who worked during their childhood were no less happy than stay-at-home children. So, oh. you know, there's such a stay at home versus working mom divide. It's getting a little better, but it yeah. still exists. You know, yeah. when you're at work, you always feel guilty. There's really not a difference in the level of happiness between, you know, children of stay at home versus working moms. Well, that's good news for the working yes. mom. I mean, I yeah. think in some ways it's probably better because <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a professional, well, you know, like I no. prefer her to be in the hands of professionals during the day, like professional well, educators and childcare. I mean, right. Right. And also, though, you know, these children see you as a role model and they see us being resilient and multitasking and hopefully it will pay off for them to, you know, hopefully see us managing it all, but not managing too much. Right. That's the lesson. OK, so much. so I'm all for this with, you yeah. know, creating boundaries, saying no in places. Mm -hmm. Is there a fine line where we are raising kids that are going to be too soft? Because, mm. oh, don't we don't want to have a grade because that might make yeah. you offended or, you know, we don't have homework because that might stress mm -hmm. you out. Um, yes. There's a line, right? There's a line. And I think parents have now become very cautious because of the suicide rates going up, because of depression and mental health um, being so much at the forefront as well. It should be. But then there's the other sort of side of that where parents are afraid to push their kids, or I don't want to say to set limits, but they're treating their children with such fragility because they are fragile. Um, and that also has to be handled carefully and no one's going to do it perfectly, but children still need limits and they need to be pushed where it's appropriate. And I keep coming back to, you need to be a consultant. You need to listen. You need to talk. You need to have conversations. You don't need to push, but you do need to advise. Mm. That's your role as a parent. Um, but I do, I do. I think that parents are so afraid of mental health that it's almost gone the other way. And we'll see, you know, it's, it's so soon after COVID, it's almost too soon to tell. Um, but I think that parents are a little bit afraid of, you know, their children losing at a sport or dropping out of something. They, they want to let them do what they need to do to feel safe, but that's dangerous too. That's a slippery slope. may be almost out for summer, but the stations of NBC and Telemundo Boston are committed to supporting our educators year-round. To learn how you can support your local schools, teachers, and students, go online to NBC10Boston.com slash supporting our schools.
one of the things that you said today, I wrote down a lot of little notes, but one of the things I loved is you said, we are consultants and not directors. Mm -hmm. And I want to expand upon that a little bit because this happened to me in my own life just this week. Um, My daughter was having an issue at school and she doesn't open up to me too much. She's very, very Mm -hmm. independent. And so she finally was sharing with me that something was going on with some of the girls in her class you know, as it happens when you're in third grade. And so I'm like listening and I'm just trying to be a good listener and I'm a fixer and I know that and I'm working on that and I'm, I'm listening and I'm listening and I'm like, okay, Maria, this is your chance to say something really profound because this is a real turning point for her. Like she needs something. And so I go into like all these stupid cliches and I'm fumbling all over the place and Grace looks at me and she's like, mom, I don't need a speech right now. I just need you to listen. Right, right. It was like, oh, and you try so hard. We just as parents, we just we try we so hard. We want to fix it. We want to fix it. And sometimes you can't fix it, and that is okay. That's not your job. And I think the kids are resilient, and they're not going to learn how to fix things for themselves if we jump in and try to solve the problem. But who can blame us with all the headlines of you know depression and anxiety and eating disorder? We want to jump in and fix the problem. We're doers. We are. But we are. Sometimes parenting isn't about that. So that was an important lesson for me that to to, to just listen, they don't need my (laughs) TED talk. They don't need to learn everything that I've learned here on mom to mom. I don't need to regurgitate. (laughs) So yes, Yes. we're consultants and sometimes we are just listeners. And I think the kids will appreciate. Absolutely. So everything we've learned today as we're kind of wrapping up here. So we're learning that perfectionist parenting is on its way out. Helicopter parenting on its way out. That's all fine and good. So what are some steps we can take to actually execute that in our day to day? So hard, right? Nobody wants to be the first one in the neighborhood to pull the plug on soccer or to feel left out if you're no longer doing basketball. I would say, you know, really identify, and this is hard, it's easier said than done, but where do you feel energized? What brings you joy? What works for your schedule? Take a hard look, and summer is sort of a good time for that. Maybe, you know, this is the home stretch, the end of the year. I bet we're both feeling it. Mm. We're done. We feel like we've run a marathon. Um, What worked for you and what was extra? And then just begin to peel back without guilt. And that is an exercise. That's a hard muscle to work out. Um, But maybe just practice cutting back on one or two things and talk to your kids. Ask them, what did they enjoy? What didn't they enjoy? Um, And don't do that reflexive push of, we'll try it again. Try again next year. You know, no, you don't want your kids to quit. But if you weren't happy and they weren't happy, give yourself permission to say no more. Don't do it. Yeah. And also for a lot of us too, and we haven't talked too much about this, but there's a whole other component here, which is the co-parent. So whether it's a partner or whether it's, you know, you could be divorced and you're co-parenting and you may not see eye to eye on this. Like for example, Mm -hmm. my husband, he's a little bit more of a doer. He wants the kids and all the things. And I am a little bit more do less. Um, so that's another conversation. That is another conversation, but, and we didn't even bring up delegating, but you can certainly offload things that you can. Sometimes, you know, your partner might disappoint you, but sometimes they might surprise you. Sometimes they might do things in a different way, maybe not the way that you were going to do it. And that's okay. 
All right. Put well, there's so much to cover here. I'm so glad you're putting this yeah. all in a book. So tell us when we can expect yes. to see that again. I know these things Mother's take Day. time. <laughs> Mother's Day 2025, which f feels far, but it's actually super not. No. It's, it's, you know, the book publishing world moves, moves slowly, but very fast at the same time. I know. And so. my book came out around Mother's Day too. And I think that's such a great time. Congratulations. Great time of year. Thank you. Well, food sure. is normally your beat. So we'll have to have you back on and do. Yeah all the food things because we would have so much Less to, talk about, to talk about. Yes, well, <laughs> yeah. sometimes. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Mom to Mom. I think what we learned here today was we can do a little less and that is music to my ears. So do a little less. I'll see you next week. If you're in the Boston area, I can catch you on mom to mom at 11:30 a.m. on Mondays on NBC10 Boston. You can find us wherever you find your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review. It means so much in this podcast world. And I will see you here next time on Mom to Mom. Mm -hmm.